when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired, and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question, our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt. Uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, Shane. So, man, we got crazy type scheduling news going on Mm. in the SEC and around college football. Man, but uh, all this news, at least... It's happening, man. They're going forward with it. So, I mean, that's kind of the most exciting thing of it. And, uh, you know, the the biggest thing, we talked about this on the last episode, Oklahoma moved their game up to week zero. The NCAA is now allowing all teams... To start week zero if they so choose. And none of the SEC teams have yet to do that. I think they're waiting to finalize their schedule and what that's all going to look like. But they got to make that decision pretty soon. So at least that's good news to where, heck, maybe the entire SEC starting a week earlier. And our damn countdown is (laughs) seven days behind. I thought it was kind of funny, you know, because people were like, yeah, it's probably going to be spring for these guys playing NCAA. It's like, nah, let's do it a week early. You know? <laughs> it's like we can't stop it if it started, you know. So that's I like that mentality, and uh, you know, a lot of these conferences are coming out saying that we're going to have balls. So uh, I'm I'm pretty pumped up about it, and I, something we're going to get into, I'm sure, about you know potential schedules here. And uh, dude, this could make for some serious. I mean, this could make for a fantastic season dude i I, i'm looking at some of these alternative game options and i'm really liking Mm -hmm. it well and going back to that week zero thing i do want to give this guy a shout out because i thought this was a hell of a line that you'd appreciate but uh his name is andrew Durago on twitter when Mm -hmm. i sent out the news that the ncaa is allowing everyone to start week zero if they so choose and i noted you know tennessee that's a team to watch because of that oklahoma moving to week zero mm-hmm. he said well hell tennessee will probably forget to file like they did with cade mazes <laughs> <laughs> probably right you know we're not the best with paperwork up here mike you know <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know all joking aside so the acc that was kind of the big news here right before we hopped on on wednesday so they have announced they have gone to strictly Conference only with one 
other game, TBA, to be announced. And kind of the big stunner there, Notre Dame now is officially all ACC for 2020 at least. And that opens the door for Notre Dame to win the ACC before Miami ever has a chance to do. <laughs> so that's just something uh, that's going on in the ACC. The, uh, the SEC is still yet to decide what they're going to do. But uh, now with basically the only two Power 5 conferences that have not made a decision, SEC and Big 12, uh, th- this is interesting. This may be something that the SEC goes to, but the way the ACC is breaking it down, like I said, 10 games, all ACC, and then it looks like the last game will be against a non-conference team. But here's the the thing that's kind of wonky about this. ACC is saying that non-conference game, it's yeah. got to be an in-state game. So Ooh. you can't – we're not going to – not that we would, but, you know, you can't see Florida State going to Tennessee. So they're, they're saying you can't right. do anything like that. It's got to – so you assume that's got to be Florida State, Florida. But that's going to make for some interesting matchups here. And so that pretty much eliminates North Carolina and Auburn. They were supposed to play in Atlanta unless mm-hmm. for some reason Auburn travels to North Carolina. I can't see that happening. So, unfortunately, that was one of the bigger non-conference games on the schedule. I think we lost that one. Notre Dame was supposed to host Arkansas. So that's still still there, but I'm not feeling too confident about that game going through either. No. Uh, so that's just kind of the two teams that could really be affected here by this ACC news. But what was your initial thoughts when you saw this ACC going to a 10-game schedule and and I think the most interesting thing about this, we got to remember, they've done away with divisions. So they're just yeah. going to play the entire thing, and then two teams at the top of the standings are going to meet in the ACC championship game. How would you feel if the SEC did something like that? I like it, Mike. I really do because, you know, this is something that we've been wanting in the past is to have more SEC games, you know. The, the, the biggest knock on a lot of college football games, especially Power 5 conferences, are these cupcake games that typically become a 40-point, 50-point shootout. You know, it's just not, not fun, not entertaining. It's good for the athletes. It's good for the backups. You know, it, it doesn't concern me so much with ACC because, buddy, there's a difference than playing 10 ACC teams and 10 SEC teams. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about the back end. You know, if they try to have some sort of playoff schedule or something like that, because you know, I would have a, I would imagine that the SEC would would be, I don't want to say limping into that. You know, you never know what's going to happen, but you know, it seems like they would definitely be in, you know, a lot not as good shape as the ACC. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. there's big difference, but um, I like the fact that you know that they are going to be able to keep the Florida, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Georgia. Uh, it sounds to me like the Clemson, South Carolina. That that seems like those are going to be the ones that are a go. So I like that. Uh, I'm just curious uh, how, how we would do it. Do you think we would go to a 10 game? You know, there's reports out there that that's what they're going to do, but I can't really see it. I think kind of like you said, that's just because speculation out there is that they would you know, go just go to the SEC schedule for the two upcoming years. And then mm-hmm. you got teams like Florida adding Alabama and Texas A&M. And all of a sudden, you know, one of the more manageable schedules in the SEC looks like a damn a gauntlet here. So I don't know. I think that's – I just think it's too daunting, you know, to, 
playing playing yeah. a bunch of ACC teams and playing a bunch of SEC is a completely different animal. Uh, now, I would not be stunned if the SEC does kind of do what the ACC does here and, and kind of does away with divisions and maybe makes the schedule a little bit more regional for this mm-hmm. year only. So maybe we don't have, you know, you hate to just mix everything up here right before the uh, starting race here, but maybe does it make a lot of sense to have, you know, Texas A&M traveling to South Carolina this year? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but judging by what the ACC's done here, it looks like they're trying to keep it a little bit more regional as well. So I could certainly see that being in the cards. Uh, and now I could see SEC going to nine games, but 10, I, 10 SEC games, I think is, I mean, you're basically talking in a uh, NFL schedule at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I would rather go with nine myself, you know, it, if I were to add any, I kind of like the little holes you were talking about. Give, give our boys plenty of time to, to wiggle in case something comes up either COVID related or just injuries in general. You know, it seemed like last year, two bye weeks worked out well. I know we were getting away from that this season, but I kind of like that idea because you want to see the best play, you know, and if your team's limping in week 10, week 11, you know, to a playoff game, then that's no fun because then you're, you're playing ifs and buts, you know, and, and, and that old saying, if some butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a wonderful Christmas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm looking at the ACC, and I'm looking. I say, okay, so we're talking Boston College, Louisville. I mean, could you imagine if you gave a team like Alabama, uh, that this is who they had to go through, Boston College, Louisville, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, Pitt. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? A lot of, half of those, most of those games, they'd be done at halftime. So it's not going to be like that when you're playing it, potentially Florida. Uh, what was the other one? Alabama had a pretty – like, uh, do you have those those auxiliary games that they were talking about? Yeah, and again, this is just pure speculation, but uh, for Alabama it would be Florida and Vanderbilt being added to their schedule. Okay, so Florida. Yeah, Vanderbilt would – Yeah, but still, you got Florida picking up uh, Alabama and Texas A&M. That was a big one. Tennessee – I think they were LSU and uh, Ole, Miss. Uh, Ole Miss, you know. So, I, I don't know. That, but then this... check this out. Georgia would pick up Arkansas and Mississippi State, two first-year coaches. So, all of a sudden, Georgia's schedule looks a hell of a lot more manageable than Florida's. And here we've been talking <laughs> for months on end about how Florida's got the you know, the easier path to the East Division title. and. And that just flipped on its head. But again, this is pure speculation, so nothing finalized here. And SEC commissioner has even come out and said, you know, this talk of 10-game SEC schedule, uh, that's not what we've decided. The SEC is going to meet on Thursday. This Thursday? The day this podcast comes out, they're scheduled to meet. Okay. So uh, we'll see if we get some news out of that. But, hell, they could even delay it even further. But we're really – you know, up against the clock here because fall camp is supposed to start on August 7th. So you got to really have a kind of a timeline for when the season's going to start if you're going to have these, these yeah. players in training camp on the 7th. But, you know, that's just over a week away. So got to think the SEC at some point's got to make a decision. And with all these other leagues making their decisions, it's just down to the SEC and the Big 12 to kind of figure out what they want to do. 
All right, so while we're going to be waiting for the SEC to break out some news here, you know, we actually do got a fun little show topic here that we can discuss all 14 teams. We like to go around the league as much as we can here, so we're going to talk some breakout players. Shane, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shane, so, you know, I'm just going in kind of a weird order here. This is just the list I got written down here. No real reason for why I'm going down the list like I am here, but just for the sake of you, I'm going to go, I'm, let's just start here with Tennessee. Balls are back. Before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we play as. Mm-hmm. Biggest breakout players, and I, I really tried to stay away from some quarterbacks because, you know, obviously first-year guys, first-year starting quarterbacks, probably going to be big-time players. I really tried to stay away from players that, uh, you know, kind of already have busted out and made the, made a name for themselves on the scene. So if I forget a name here, that could be why. But the number one mm-hmm. breakout player for me for Tennessee Volunteers this year is going to be sophomore receiver Ramel Keaton. As Tennessee really needs a receiver mm. to step up. And Keaton's starting to come on late in the season last year, particularly in that bowl game. And we know the losses Tennessee's going to have at the receiver position. So Going to need someone to step up there. So what's your thoughts on Ramel Keaton? Could he be a primetime player for the Vols next year, you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, and that's the thing. They lost a lot of weapons last year, you know. So somebody's got to step up. I like Josh Palmer. I know he's a senior, mm-hmm. and, you know, he. a lot of people don't know that name or recognize that name. But there were some times last year, man, there were some flashes. Uh, he, he made some spectacular catches, you know, Showed he he had a ton of athleticism. So, uh, but we've got to have more people step up, and I can see Keaton being that guy. You know, he sure is fast. I'm sure they're going to find ways to get him in space as well. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the same side of the ball. But and, and a lot of people, I mean, in Tennessee, know this name, but Eric Gray is going to be mine, uh, just because outside of Tennessee, a lot of people doesn't they don't know just how talented this kid can be. And he's very versatile. And later in the season, you got to see it, especially against that, in that bowl game against Indiana, you know, what he was able to do out of the backfield really impressed. And that's something that Tennessee's just not been able to have lately is that, that dual threat. You know, you, you think of uh, Alvin Kamara, you think of uh, uh, John Kelly, you know, th- those guys were able to do stuff between the tackles and outside. I mean, you look at Alvin in the NFL, that's the same type of style 
that Eric Gray brings to Tennessee. So, um, yeah, a lot of people know him. You know, I, you can't say he's a deep sleeper, but uh, I, I think at the end of the season, a lot of people are going to be talking about how great uh, Eric Gray's been. And here's one one more thing about uh, Ramel Keaton. I don't know if you know this, Shane, but do you know who his high school quarterback was? Uh, no. Harrison Bailey. So that they may have already Ooh. have a, a great connection there at Tennessee the next couple of years. You know what? Well, I like that. All right, let's jump on down to Vanderbilt. Take it down. I got a pair of connections here with uh, all they've lost on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going, we talked about this guy here in the spring. There was a lot of buzz about him here in Nashville. Ken Seals, freshman quarterback. I think he's going to start for the Commodores coming out the gate. And, you know, obviously that's probably less than ideal in the SEC starting a true freshman. But uh, personally, I'd rather take some bumps with a true freshman that's got some potential. And then, you know, down the line, you reap the rewards of that. Mm -hmm. And I think he's got a really underrated receiver in Cam Johnson. He's a middle Tennessee prospect that had a ton of SEC offers coming out of high school. So Ken Seals, Cam Johnson, I think you're going to hear that connection early and often next season and, and for the next couple of years, kind of like the Ramel Keaton, Harrison Bailey, what I think the future of offensive football here in Tennessee is, might be pretty solid with these these four guys here. Mm. Well, let me ask you about Seals. What, what kind of quarterback would he be? I mean, can you compare him to anybody? I Tough to know, say because sure. we never really seen him, you know, but <laughs> – I, I just well, like what kind of style would we be looking at? Is he a mobile quarterback? Is he more of a pocket pro style? Or? More of a pocket pro style passer from all the indications that I've seen. But mm -hmm. they do have some dual threat options. So maybe if they want to go that route, you know, they got the junior college kid, Musa. Uh, they've mm -hmm. got a guy out of uh, the Atlanta area. I think his name's Michael Wright is also kind of that dual threat mode. So, if Ken Seals doesn't win the job, maybe that's an indication that, uh, you know, Vanderbilt needs a little bit more mobile guy. Maybe they're not as confident in that offensive line. But I think, I'd like I said, I'd rather start the guy that is already, you know, it was brief, but Vanderbilt's one of the teams that got the most spring practice out of any team in the country. So at least he's got some reps, got a, a feel for the system. And if he can carry that over to training camp, I think it's going to be his job to lose. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. I, I like the Cam Johnson you know, I just think that, you know, you, you're losing – I mean, face it, Vandy had some big names out there, you know, with Lipscomb and Pinckney, and uh, who comes in next, it's, it's, it's got to be Cam, you know. So, got to have a weapon, and, and, and it seems like Vanderbilt always has one receiver, you know. It, it's, it's, it's like every other year they've got one receiver that's an absolute stud and has potential to play on Sundays, and I think that's going to be Cam Johnson, so – uh, he's definitely got to be the guy that takes the step forward this season. All right, let's kick it down to Alabama. Roll Tide! Because I keep going back and watching you know, these games, and one guy that just keeps jumping out to me, defensive lineman Christian Barmore, who I went back and uh, recently wrote about him. He, he was two-time Alabama Defender of the Week, named by the coaches late in the season. I, I think it was in the Iron Bowl, and uh, the game there they had against Western Carolina. So obviously Western Carolina, not that good of opponent, but a young player mm -hmm. winning defensive MVP of the week, tail end of, of the season. If that carries over, I think Alabama's got their next really good defensive lineman here in Christian Barmore. That's a name to watch for the Crimson Tide fans. And then 
this may be kind of an obvious one, but sometimes when pe- when players you know go down to injury, you, you tend to forget about them. But Trey Sanders, a running back, I think there's a there's a mm-hmm. big opportunity for him to step up, and I don't think he's going to beat Najee Harris because Najee Harris was so good at last season, particularly at the end of the year. But they're going to need someone to kind of help shoulder that load, and I think Trey Sanders bring a little bit different style to that uh, backfield, and I think he could be in for a real big year behind that offensive line. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard not to go. I mean, that's that's I think. I mean, obviously Najee's the guy, you know, but. I just think he adds a little something that Alabama missed last season, and uh, that's that's definitely the one I've got circled. Him and uh, this one may surprise you, it may not. I've been singing his praises all off season, but I'm going to go with quarterback Mac Jones. Hmm. I just think that he was starting to put it together last season. Uh, you know, he he didn't get. Much playing time, you know, obviously, because of Tua. But when he did get thrown in the mix, he adapted quick. And uh, just the progression I saw from him during that last game, I just think the progression that I saw from him getting thrown into action in Auburn to the end when he was with Michigan was amazing. Uh, his It went from safe routes to actual progression. I got to see a real quarterback, and it kind of felt like a quarterback we used to see when Alabama was winning national championships. Nothing against Tua, but it just felt like that type of game management is what Alabama is missing. So I, I've got him as the breakout player. A lot of people think the, the freshman is going to come in and take over. I don't think so, Mike. I think if Alabama's going to win this thing, it's going to be with his arm. And uh, I think they've got a good quarterback down there. All right, next let's jump on down to Arkansas. Woo pig! Where I got a, my eyes on a pair of guys here. But the big one that I've been waiting to see breakout, unfortunately – didn't happen last year. I think he was banged up. But uh, Jalen Catalan, defensive back, I'm just very fascinated to see how Barry Odom uses this young defensive back from the state of Texas. I think if he lives up to the hype, you know, I think this is one of the players that uh, Arkansas is going to be able to build around for the, for years to come. A big reason why I'm high on the Razorbacks, players like him are a little bit undersized, but I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but I just always – gravitate to these players that are you know maybe a couple inches short or maybe not the right weight but are just outstanding football players because it just seems like Mm -hmm. more often than not they just get overlooked and I think this is going to be the next one to to kind of do that in the SEC and then you know everyone's high on Felipe Franks and you know it's nothing against the guy but I just don't think he's an elite caliber SEC player but I love me some K.J. Jefferson there on the other side of the ball. I mean, <laughs> for whatever reason, Chad Morris didn't want to use him much last year, and then they put him mm-hmm. out there, and he looks outstanding. So just try to <laughs> yeah. imagine what he's going to look like in that Kendall Bryles offense. I think by the end of the season, K.J. Jefferson is going to be starting, and I think that's going to give the Razorbacks fans a lot to get excited about in 2021 when they see they got players like Jalen Catalong and uh, K.J. Jefferson to build around. Do you think that hurts any of these uh, these quarterbacks thinking about coming in? Because I, I love KJ. Don't get me wrong. We talk, I, I I kept begging for him last season. You know, now he did get banged up when he did get in there, but I, I think that I think he could be a sleeper. And if he does come in and let's say take over the job there uh, over Franks, do you think? I mean, because it's already 
wishy-washy there with their their current recruits. Do you think uh, you think that's going to hurt having a redshirt freshman take over? Eh, I mean potentially, but okay. I don't think you worry about that. You know, you you worry about the players yeah. you got on your team because Chad Morris. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you got committed. It only matters to yeah. you sign them. And KJ yeah. Jefferson's been signed for quite some time now, and. Uh, I think he's the future of, of that room. Now, they did sign a uh, four-star quarterback in the last cycle, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm high on K.J. Jefferson, and I think, uh, I think he's going to fit in well with this new offense they got. And, and maybe, you know, we were scratching our heads why Chad Morris wasn't using him last year, but probably worked out in the kid's favor because he got to keep that red shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I, I ain't going to lie. I'm looking forward to a little bit of Trey Knox, too. Uh, you know, that's so- usually it's that sophomore season with those wide receivers. And I know he's not a sleeper. He's probably the second best player on that team. But uh, I, I, there's a lot of people outside of Arkansas that don't recognize that name. The kid's, the kid's a freaking athlete. And it doesn't matter if, if KJ or uh, Felipe, whoever's back there, as long as they can get trade the ball, they'll be all right. Also, uh, another one is uh, uh, Hudson Henry. If he's anything like his brother man you mm-hmm. know you, you keep holding out and i'm not i don't want to get too many people pumped up because there's a lot of times these little brothers they don't turn out like like big brothers you know what right. i'm saying but if uh if hudson henry is is just a a fraction of what hunter was down there i'll tell you what man they they got him a hell of a tight end all right next let's uh kick it down to the plains get ready tumor's corner auburn's coming to roll you final score auburn 48 45 where you know so much hype under tank bigsby and uh, mark anthony richards another running back coming back for the tigers after being banged up his freshman year but you know the running back that i've got my eye on he's flashed a little bit as a freshman dj williams i think not nothing against those other guys i'm sure they'll get their opportunities and, and i'm sure they're fine players but i don't know what what it is but it just seems like Every year in a Gus Malzahn offense, it seems like I'm always thinking about this one running back, and then it's these other ones that break out. So he's always got mm-hmm. a breakout candidate at, in that backfield, and I think DJ Williams could be that guy for the Tigers this year. And then uh, on the defensive side of the ball, we obviously know they're having to replace a lot of that defensive star power. Well, they've got a guy that uh, fans outside Auburn may not know this name now, but they're going to know it later. Jaron Handy, that was a guy that uh, some of his teammates was talking up at SEC Media Days last year. I think with uh, more reps on the field, I think he's going to break out. So I think the Tigers got two real young sophomores there that they can build around in DJ Williams and Jaron Handy. Yeah, well, Mike, I, I'm I'm with you. I love I love offense, so I'm going to stick with offense, and I'm going to go with the fastest guy in the world, Anthony <laughs> Schwartz. <laughs> you know, it just. I felt like last year, I don't know if you remember going into last year, they, he didn't get to play with these boys much. You know, he's worried about track and field. And, you know, that that all got canceled. So it's all football. So I think Anthony, uh, I think he takes a step forward. And and, and I, I hope, I pray that uh, Chad finds a way to get this guy in space and let him do more, you know, with the ball. So he, he I don't know if he's going to be a safety blanket for Bo Nix, but I tell you what, they this kid's got to get at least ten targets each game. You know, if not, then they're going to start losing games because he is the he like I said, he is the fastest player I've ever seen on the football field. Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's skip it down next to LSU. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Where we all know they've got a ton to replace this season with all the star power they lost to the NFL. But, hey, I think they got some guys on the come up. I got a couple of breakout players here. Racy McMath, that's going to be their next receiver. That uh, you know We all know about Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall, how good they are. But I think Racy McMath is really going to benefit from all the attention defenses pay to those guys. Not to say those guys are not going to get their own. They're, they're good enough they are. But I think there's going to be enough to go around. Racy McMath, I think he's going to have a big breakout season. Uh, now, mm-hmm. I've said this name time and time again, and you know LSU fans are just thrilled to just waiting for this guy to see the field. But Arik Gilbert, the tight end, true freshman from Georgia, I think he's going to just be a just a phenomenal player for LSU. And you know, I don't think a lot of year one guys could kind of come in and and star on the national reigning champions team but I think Gilbert is of that potential and then one name coach O even threw out here on Wednesday running back Trey Bradford he singled out this guy he said I want you to remember this name now (laughs) so watch (laughs) out for Trey Bradford LSU yes they've lost a ton on the offensive side of the ball but I think these are the guys that uh, the next generation that are going to step up and and be names to know on LSU's offense yeah, I wish so Gilbert would have stuck with his quarterback in high school. You know, that would have been awesome. <laughs> what a, what about the running back situation there at LSU? What is what is that going to look like, you know? I you know, Emory was getting so much love toward the start of last year. You know, there was talk that he was going to be the guy. And you remember the highlight thing came out there during spring practice right. and everybody I mean, what what what's this what's this depth chart going to look like down there? Well, John Emery is certainly going to be one be right there in the mix. Now we've got to add Bradford to that list. Uh, but they've got some talent there at running back. Tyron Davis-Prince, I mean, he was a solid player last year, a young player. Now I've got my eye on this Bradford now that uh, Coach O has kind of come out and sang his praises. But I think they're going to keep it, you know, it's not going to be LSU of old where they're going to try to run it. 50, 60 times a game. I think they're going to be throwing it 50, 60 times a game with all these receivers. Mm-hmm. And now you add in a guy like Gilbert and uh, Racy McMath if he uh, develops into the player that I think he can be. So, yeah, you got to have depth at the running back position to succeed in the SEC. But I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be as important that LSU, you know, is going to be going to their third and fourth running back at, that often this year. Okay. Well, I, I, I guess I'm going to keep with offense. I'm going to go uh, with the Hogs, though. I'm going to go with Dare Rosenthal. Mm. I guess that's how you say his last name. But, you know, they've replaced everybody. And, you know, I just think you're going to have you a little leader up there, six foot seven. This guy is an absolute beast, uh, somebody that they can lean on. So I'm, go- I'm going to stick with the trenches because that's where it starts, man. You know, they're going to have to give Miles time. They're going to have to give some of these running backs time, you know. And if that front can't get going, uh, you know, we we won't have the same LSU that we had last year because Miles isn't as mobile as Joe was. Mm-hmm. So I think that all starts up front, and I'm going to I'm gonna stick with the big boy, Dare. All right, let's uh, jump on down to Oxford next where one name Ole Miss fans may not be familiar with just yet 
graduate transfer from Temple, Kenny Yaboa, tight end. And the real reason I really like this guy is the fact that last season at FAU in Lane Kiffin's system, they had, I didn't even know this till here recently, but they had their tight end won the uh, John Mackey Award for nation's most mm-hmm. outstanding tight end. I went back and watched some of Yaboda's uh, film from last year at Temple. Looks like a really good player. And, hell, if they can do what they did with the FAU tight end with Yaboda, I think by season's end, uh, he's going to be a real weapon for whichever quarterback wins that race there in Oxford. I'm going to go with Jerry on Ely, man. I mean, if if Lane was excited about any players, obviously he's, he, he loves Plumtree, but Jerry on Ely is a back that would be a starter at just about any team in the nation. You know, he's 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 just, he's a freak athlete. I mean, Kiffin came out and compared him to Reggie Bush. I mean, that's the type of athlete that this coach thinks he has. So I, I think we're going to see more of a focal piece there next year uh, with, with Jerry mm-hmm. on. All right, well, sticking in the state of Mississippi, let's go down to Starkville where, you know, the big question mark for me with Mississippi State, it's not even that quarterback position. It's going to be the targets that – that uh, K.J. Costello, Garrett Schrader, whoever wins that job, it's going to be the receivers he's throwing to. So, you know, credit for Mike Leach for going out and get these two guys who weren't even on the roster last year. Starkville native, Rufus Harvey, the true freshman. I think he fits that mold of that, uh, you know, Wes Welker type slot receiver that is going to play on the inside in Mike Leach's system. And then mm-hmm. kicking on the outside, they went out and got – graduate transfer Tyrell Shavers from Alabama who he's got one career catch he's probably going to average one career touchdown per game next year playing in Mike Leach's (laughs) system so Rufus Harvey Tyrell Shavers you know we all know Mike Leach's quarterback is going to throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns so somebody's (laughs) got to be catching these balls and I think Harvey and Shavers are going to be prime candidates to be breakout players that's the same ones I had listed buddy all right uh let's uh (laughs) Right, I mean, I mean, honestly, we're, uh, first off, did you see that picture that Mississippi State put out last night with uh, Coach Leach <laughs> there, looking like you know what I'm saying? You know those those romance novels you'd see there at the grocery store, and you flip it over, and it's got the author, you know, <laughs> with the glamour shot. That was Coach Leach, man. I I love that, so I had to tweet that out and tell everybody good night. But uh, I'm with you. I I think that this. You know, this is a transition. Mississippi State, I, I don't think this is the roster that Leach wants necessarily. or, or what. I mean, I, it's going to look night and day here in about three years. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So so he's got he's to improvise. You know, I, I think, you know, one player everybody knows, obviously, got the flag changed down there in the state is Kylan Hill. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize just how great an athlete he is. Uh, don't be surprised if he's the breakout player. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you take you take what you have, give them more opportunities. You know, I don't. I think Kylan was was hindered at times last year. So I think even though Leach isn't a huge running back coach, you know, I still think he's going to find a way to give Hill the ball. And like you said, with these receivers, somebody's got to catch it. You know, I don't know who they're going to put at quarterback just yet. We, we've got speculations, but these receivers, man, they're going to be having a field day out mm-hmm. there. Yeah, that's a good point because the best coaches, you know, if they got an NFL caliber running back, 
they're going to find a way to use him. You, can, you just simply can't ignore a player like that. Now, that doesn't mean Mike Leach is going to go to <laughs> running the ball 60 <laughs> times a game, but just find ways to get Kylan Hill the ball as much as possible, whether that's in the passing game or the running game. Hell, throw him out of the receiver. You know what I mean? Do what you got to do yeah. because you just got to get that guy the ball. Now, nobody has come out and said anything about this, so I'm just – I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Let's say this KJ's game, you know, he he's the starter. Do you think Garrett Schrader has potential in this offense, maybe either at receiver or tight end? I mean, he's he's shown last year that he's fully capable of running the ball. You know, he's you know, I just think he's He's just one of those rare breed athletes, kind of like Matt Jones there at Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. He, he became a hell of a receiver there for the Jaguars there for a couple seasons. It, w it w wouldn't surprise me if that's the type of schemes that you would see coach coming up with. You know, just hey, if this ain't working, let's just shake the whole board and start over. You know, yeah, you got to get your playmakers out there, and hell, maybe it's uh, you know the bearded trader that is the breakout guy, but at a yeah. different position, but. You know, I said that when Mike Leach got hired and I got called out by Mississippi State fans, it's nothing against Garrett Schrader, but I just don't see him. Now, he's a young player. He's got time to develop, so happy to be proven wrong. But I just did not see him fitting this Mike Leach offense as a quarterback. And, mm -hmm. I mean, it speaks for itself why, that they went out and got – That's why they went out and got right. KJ, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe he is that guy down the line, but I just don't see it, at least not this year. All right, so last team in the SEC, West Texas A&M. We know they lost a talented guy, Justin Matabuke, on that defensive line. They're going to need someone to step up, and I think it, this is do-or-die time for Bobby Brown, defensive lineman. Still a young player, but that's a guy that I see breaking out on Texas A&M's defense. They stole – they, were, they beat out Alabama to land this kid, so it's time for him to show his potential in this Mike Elko system. And then the guy we were singing his praises last year, and it turned out Jalen Weidemeyer was the tight end that broke out. But don't forget about Baylor Cup. He was the nation's number one tight end prospect last season. Now he's fully healthy after missing the entire year due to injury, got hurt in training camp. And Jimbo loves him some tight ends. And with losing two big-time receivers from last year's squad, I think there's going to be even more emphasis on running a two-tight end set, Baylor Cup, Jalen Weidemeyer. I think Cup's a breakout player on the offensive side of the ball. So you think you think Cup is? or do, I mean, do you see uh, a more two-tight end situation with these guys next year? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if, if Cup's as good as I think he will be, I mean, they're, yeah. they're just going to, it's going to be a devastating attack there with you just don't see a whole lot of two tight end sets in major college football these days, but you got to put your best players out on the field. And mm -hmm. um, if you got two of the better tight ends in the SEC West, why not put them on the field at the same time? You know what? No, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. Uh, I guess I'm going to go. Uh, I guess I'll go with the, I'll stick to offense. I know it's, I, I'm I'm biased. I love offense. Don't get me wrong, Mike. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I I mean, don't get defense is great, and there's some <laughs> great players on on there. But I just there's just something about the offense, and you you could take one or two players, and they could just change the entire game. And I'm sure you could say that about defense, but you know, I, I like this uh, this little running back, uh, Anai Smith. Mm -hmm. You know, I. I 
Spiller had moments last year, flashes. I think he's going to be a fantastic, but this is going to be a two-headed monster. And I think this uh, is an opportunity for Smith to get out there and, and be that, that, uh, what they were missing. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about hands, this kid's got them. So I, I, I like this as just kind of a dual threat running back, you know, somebody that you could put out there and his, his full intention may be to go out and run around and he's going to he come down, you know, he's, he could be an extra receiver. Uh, that's what, uh, I, I see them doing with him. So I'm rambling. I see I Smith like making plays nice all over the field. Like you're saying, running back receiver, returning kicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's a, that's another, that's a great selection there. All right, jumping over to the SEC East, Florida. We got some uh, some really talented sophomores here that I really like. They're going to need some. Now, they, they've got a ton of sacks and tackles for loss returning, but they lost uh, uh, Grenard and Zaniga, so they're going to need someone to step up there. And I, I like outside linebacker Chris Bowl. I think he's going to be a big-time player. We saw him flash a little bit last year early in his career. Mm. And then on the other side, kind of similar method, methodology here. Gators lost some receivers. We know they've got some good ones coming back, and I think the SEC's best tight end, Kyle Pitts. But they're going to need another receiver to step up, and I think that's going to be sophomore receiver Jacob Copeland. So mm. those are two real good players that Dan Mullen got a couple years ago, and I think it's uh, going to be their time to shine this year. Well, I hate to do this to you, Georgia. But I'm going to have to go Britton Cox Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I, he didn't get his waiver last year. This is a guy that's been sitting there on the bench just thinking about how much he loves college football. And I think, you know, it's been a while since we've had a, a Florida linebacker that's just a, a just a freaking nuisance, you know. They, they, they always have one or two that come through. This is a former five-star recruit. So I think Brendan – I think a lot of people have forgot – forgotten about brent and obviously bulldog fans have it but <laughs> i think this is the year that that he steps up and makes an impression for the florida gators mm. well let's uh stick, speaking of georgia let's kick it over there because i think they've got a guy that by the end of the season may be regarded as the best linebacker in the sec nakobe dean sophomore mm. himself he played a uh, in quite a few games last year, but was not a starter. I like I like for him to push, even though Georgia's loaded at linebacker and they got so many good players. I think Nakobe Dean may be the next great Georgia linebacker there. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field. And then mm-hmm. they've got a big hole at the tight end position. True freshman Darnell Washington. Uh, all indications that I've heard this guy is just a beast. He's already standing out at Georgia practice, so he's going to be – an elite red zone target for whichever quarterback they go with. And we talk about Georgia spreading it out and, and, you know, throwing all over the field. That's going to leave the middle of the field open for Darnell Washington. So I think Georgia's got two of the better young players in the entire SEC this year. (laughs) Oh, I do like Zeus. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a, it's killer name, Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm liking some James Cook, buddy. Ooh. You know, this is another one. With the transformation that the Georgia Bulldogs are going to have this season, It's their offense is going to look night and day. And Zeus is obviously going to be your guy. You know, your first, second down guy. You're in the red zone guy. But James Cook is just that 
X factor. And, you know, we didn't get to see him last year that much. So, you know, he didn't get to play that much last year. I mean, hell, it was a loaded backfield. But I'm telling you, man, if he's anything like – I hate to keep comparing brothers, but if he's anything like his brother, man, <laughs> you know, just cut him loose, get some receptions. That's what you got to have. That's that's the type of offenses they're running. You look, look at LSU last year, you know. Look at our boy, Clydesdale. Mm-hmm. He was a great running back, but he was also a great receiver. That's what you got to have, and that's what James Cook has. So uh, I, I expect him to get a lot more touches this season. All right, let's jump down to Lexington next, where you know we're all anticipating Kentucky's defense to be a lot better than it well better than it was last year not that it was a suspect unit by any means but you know one of the stronger units of the Mark Stoops era but what they're really missing if they're going to be a dominant defense is that lockdown corner they simply mm-hmm. didn't have that last year but they kind of did he just wasn't eligible cuz I'm going Kelvin <laughs> Joseph the LSU transfer had to sit out last year I mean day 1 spring <laughs> Mark Stoops come out and said yeah he's He's a starter. So he didn't even have to see him on the field in spring and, and <laughs> certainly the offseason to name this guy the starter. So that's pretty rare. But uh, the hype out of Lexington is Kelvin Joseph's going to be that elite corner, and that could be the difference between Kentucky having an elite defense and just having a really good one. Well, Mike, I don't know if you remember, we had that damn list a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, best quarterbacks in the SEC, we ranked them. Uh, we're still getting tweets and angry people at us after that. That's, that's the last list I ever did. And uh, no, second to last. And I had Terry higher than you did. And the reason is I think he's due a breakout. And I know it's hard. You, you say, Shane, you're picking, some, you're picking a damn quarterback as a breakout player. But Kentucky needed it, you know. Don't get me wrong. I love Lynn. I love what he was able to do with the Big Blue Nation last year. But – you got to have dual threat, and I think that's exactly what Terry is. He's going to be able to win games with his legs and his arm. Now the wide receivers, they're you know they're they aren't the greatest, but what he does have around him is a fantastic line, fantastic running backs. He's going to have plenty of time to find weapons there on the outside. I think this is a big year for Terry, so I'm going to have him as my breakout player. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a you make a good point, and hell, he's already said, you know, he's not even applying for potential sixth year. Mm-hmm. He's hoping for a big year, and then it's off to the NFL. So he's counting on a breakout. I'll, I'll tell you that. That's awesome. All right, uh, Missouri. M I Z Down to two left here. Tyler Beatty for me, running back. I know he's made some plays last year, but you know, we talk about Eli Drinkowitz and how he was able to get that Appalachian State running back to the league. I think Tyler Beatty really fits what he's trying to do with being a run-pass option at the running back position, maybe even better than old Roundtree. Not not to say Roundtree's not going to have a good year, but I think Beatty is potentially going to have a huge year. And then uh, Coach Drinkwitz even told us here recently, Kiki Chisholm, the transfer from Angelo State, who <laughs> he's already made Angelo State all-decade team, and here he is on Missouri Tigers, so... You know, you always get these guys with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. This guy knows it's a money year. He's got something to prove. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Missouri certainly needs, you know, some added production at the receiver position, and I think they're going to get it from Kiki Chisholm. 
I don't know if you remember when Eli was on the other day, you know, it, one of the players he talked about was Kiki Chisholm. I mean, like he talked about other guys and stuff like that, but he made a point to recognize this kid's name. So if your coach is doing that, I'm, I'm going to circle, I'm going to circle Kiki, buddy. Mm-hmm. All right. Last team here. Last but not least, I got three here. So I'm, We didn't leave South Carolina last for nothing here, but I'm going to steal – well, I'm not even going to mention the number one guy because, Shane, we already know he's going to be your guy. <laughs> who, who you got as the breakout player at South Carolina? This this was number one guy on my list too. Marshawn Lloyd. <laughs> I just – this this guy's – either he is going to be the biggest bust just because I keep pumping him up or – He's going to prove me right, Mike, and I think he will. This kid, like I said, I've I've been in love with him since the first highlight video, and this what this this is a guy that is it feels to me like it's like one in a decade type of athlete that comes through mm-hmm. your program and just changes things. And I think Marshawn's a starter from day one, man. Oh yeah, now, he ain't going to be a bust, Shane. He he may lead the SEC in rushing, thing block for him. I think he's going to win offensive. Rookie of the Year in the SEC, Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah. He's going to have a big-time year, but he's going to need some help. And uh, South Carolina, they need some receivers to step up. We all know they got Shy Smith, really good player. But last year, I saw a little flashes from Xavier Leggett, the receiver. He's going to be a sophomore next year. I look for him to have a really big year. South Carolina needs a, a strong number two to emerge here. So I like Leggett in that position. And then I've hinted at this. And the more time goes, the more time I think this could realistically happen. I think the starting quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks is going to be Colin Hill, the Colorado State graduate transfer if he's healthy. And that's nothing against Holinsky. Holinsky's is going to be the future of the of the program here. He may even be the starter by the end of the year. But I just think Hill's familiarity with the system, that's probably going to be key here. And uh, there's a chance that he's a breakout player and – you know, that's what you want if you're South Carolina. Um, I mean, you you want Helensky to be have a hell of a season and, and be a breakout player, but you don't want South Carolina's offense to take half the year to get going. And that may be what you're getting with a quarterback that doesn't fully know the system, hasn't gotten the reps, whereas Hill knows it like the back of his hand, can execute it from day one. So I really think Hill is positioned to be a breakout player. Mm, I like it. All right, Shane, so that's a full list there. We went through all 14 teams, breakout candidates around the SEC. We got anything else uh, before we hop off here? Hell yeah! I got some reviews. Uh-oh. This one comes from JC Melton 21 Hey, buddy. Five star. This podcast. Oh, jeez, Mike, it's a big word. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Pause it for a second. E P I T O M I Z E S. Epitomizes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew that word. Okay, let's start that one over. You're going to leave it in. I know you are. <laughs> this podcast epitomizes what it's like to be a fan of the team in the SEC. Good old boys sitting around arguing about who's going to win the beer barrel this season. <laughs> Just gives me uh, optimism. Eat. Oh, sh- gives me. Oh, man, this guy's just messing with me today, buddy. He got possum in there somehow. All right, let me do, let me start this over. 
This podcast epitomizes what it's like to be a fan of a team in the SEC. Good old boys sitting around arguing over who's going to win the beer barrel this season just gives me a possum-eating Saul Breyer's grin. (laughs) (laughs) Best thing is that I can keep up with the rest of them cut chewers in the SEC that my balls are fixing to annihilate that handier than a pocket on a (laughs) T-shirt. Keep up the good work, fellas. And send me one of them koozies. Go balls. Go big orange. Well, J.C. Melton, I appreciate you and all those big words. Yeah, hey, thanks for giving that uh, tongue twister there. Next one comes from Don't Feed the Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome name. Go Vol Homer. Five star. Love the show, especially the intro where the coaches are whiners. Hoping for the season. Go Vols. Well, Don't Feed the Mikey, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Mikey. This one comes from Taj, 3 Tide. Awesome, five-star. These guys are great. They cover every team in the SEC with great insight. Also, very funny, Road Tide. Well, Taj, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, Taj. All right, this is a big one. This one comes from Tabasco Heat. I love this podcast, five-star. I love this podcast. Mike and Shane bring the info and the passion of the SEC football. It's like sitting with your best buddies and talking, listening to SEC football. Mike brings the info and Shane brings the tomfoolery. I love, I look forward to every podcast that comes out. They really don't take themselves too seriously. Being an LSU homer, I really liked it last year when Mike and Shane picked against my Tigers every week, and they were wrong. Saying Joe Burrow can't be this good and LSU defense is not so good. If if they ever picked LSU to win, I got really nervous because they were always wrong about the LSU's chances in the game. Even though they weren't the biggest Tiger fans, I really, really enjoy this podcast with Shane being so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the nicest compliment yet. He really made me laugh. Thank you, boys, for putting out a lot of SEC content. The real content they really put a lot of work and energy into this podcast. Well, at least Mike does. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They are a great follow on Twitter too. We need football so we can listen to them boys more often. You will thoroughly enjoy this podcast. Highly recommend. Go Tigers. Go Coach O. Well, Tabasco Heat, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one. I don't remember being that low on LSU, but <laughs> I well, I was I was at first. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was I had my doubts, and then uh, then I started gambling on them, and I made everybody nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Next one comes from Wesley Tyler, 17, first time listener, five star. I listened to the rankings podcast to give it a shot and definitely wasn't disappointed. Lifelong Vol fan and really appreciate your perspective and insight. Keep up the good work, boys. And as always, go Vols. Oh, yeah, I'd love a koozie. Well, Wesley Tyler, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one. Next one comes from KYK Nuts. Wait, 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 wait. KYK Nuts. I guess that's how he said it. Mike, I'm sorry, I'm I maybe butchering that, Mike. Let's say K- Kentucky Cats. I, I, that's what I'm thinking we're getting here. <laughs> this one comes from Mike and Cousin Shane bringing the heat. Five-star, I love that SEC podcast. Just start listening before the shutdown and look forward to each episode. This is the best place for news and analysis from around the entire league. Man, I hate Tennessee, but I love that SEC podcast. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. Yeah, it's got to be a wild cat. Well, KYK 
Yes, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, cats. All right, this one comes from Sl- <laughs> Flop Sweat Twenty Three. <laughs> Killer name. Must listen. Five star. I if you can't get if you can't get over Shane's Tennessee accent. Haha, just kidding, Shane. Tons of great content. You guys hanging, talking to SEC football. These guys do their research and are mostly unbiased. Look forward to each episode. Keep up the, keep it up, guys. Go Cox. Well, Flop Sweat 23, killer name, and I appreciate you. Yeah, who would have known Flop Sweat was a cock fan? <laughs> do I have an accent? Next one comes from Maliki. So much good stuff. Five star. I love listening to these guys. They are so fun and have something good to say about each team. I love the laid back atmosphere, the crack of cold beer. I truly enjoy listening each and every week. Keep up the great work and stay sexy and roll tide. Well, (laughs) Maliki, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that. That's a good one. All right. Mike, man, you must be mailing a ton of koozies. Mm -hmm. This one comes from Tougher, Tougher Nails. Great podcast, five-star. Mike and Shane are fun to listen to. Great job keeping us up to date with the latest and greatest in the SEC. Go Gators. Well, tougher nails, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one. That's a great name. This one comes from Big Dog in New England. That SEC podcast, the best, five-star. As always, you guys are informative, knowledgeable, and entertaining. I'm so glad Cousin Shane survived his COVID death, (laughs) but... I almost laughed myself to death. Mike, do you know I had another COVID test today? No. I swear, man. I told my wife. My wife had to get one for work, so I I went there for moral support because I was under the impression it would be like one of those throat swabs. Mm -hmm. I said, if I see that thing go up anybody's nose, I'm (laughs) out of here. I love you, babe, but I'm not sticking around. (laughs) So... uh, Needless to say, I did not get the test because it was enough. <laughs> but I, I was there. I stayed there with my wife the whole time. Okay, back back to this. Uh, big dog. Uh, as for SEC Mike's predictions for how the season plays out, I'd suggest he not drink all his free Kentucky bourbon <laughs> before making his picks. This year, if the dogs have first and goal against the Daters, Gators, I expect a pass to their 519 tight end, Darnell Washington. Go, dogs. Well, big dog in New England, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one. And you got a koozie on the way. I know I just sent it to you. Last one, Mike. This one comes from Auburn Gerlin, Atlanta. Best SEC football podcast out there. Five star. I found Mike Cousin Shane's podcast on Spotify about two football seasons ago, and since then I've enjoyed listening to every episode. They always have the inside scoop and they make me laugh too. I especially appreciate that they always find something positive to say about all 14 teams, especially my Auburn Tigers when we're in a down season and Gus is on the hot seat again. Here's hoping that we get to have a football season in 2020. I especially look forward to Friday's Pick'em shows and Cousin Shane's lock of the week. (laughs) Well, apparently Auburn has made plenty of money off Shane's picks. (laughs) They don't call me Fading Shane for no reason, Mike. Well, I appreciate you, Auburn. I appreciate you. 
Yeah, appreciate that one. And uh, the listeners out there, if you want a koozie, all you got to do is do the same like these folks. Give us a five-star written review. We'll send that to you. We also got stickers. If maybe you don't want a koozie, you want a sticker. Feel free to reach out to us at uh, thatsecpodcast@gmail.com. Hit us up on uh, uh, Twitter or Reddit or anything like that. Uh, happy to send that your way. Just reach out to us. But I think that's going to do it for this one, Shane. Thanks for joining me. As always, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Go Vols.